Hello. Hello, my other selves. This is a phrase that I've been given permission to use through Larry McAuliffe. I don't say his name quite right. He's an indigenous Alaskan of the islands. And he begins all his talks because it's the traditional greeting in his language. Hello, my other selves. And he points right to the core in those few words to what I want to talk about this evening. The understanding of our deep interconnection, our inner being, to use Thich Nhat Hanh's phrase, this interconnection that we lose touch of and that is the truth of the way things are. Hello, my other self. I'm going to begin with a story, story that, simple story of an acorn. Perhaps an acorn from one of these trees, the five oaks. And the acorn, some simple acorn that falls from a tree. And it has in its history the story of the many trees that have gone before it. It has the story of the ground and the air and the sun that ripened it. It has the story of millennia, of its development. And it ripens and it falls and it moves or it rolls or an animal takes it and it goes to a new location. And in that new location, if conditions are appropriate for it, if it lands on a sweet piece of soil, if the water comes, it starts to grow. And as it grows, it's in this intimate relationship with the ground it's sitting on, the roots, the soil its roots go into, the rain that falls, the wind, the birds that land in its trees as it gro- in its leaves and branches as it grows. And everything along the way influences us. How much water? Which way to the light? How strong is the wind? How many close friends does it have around it, buffering the wind with it? How is its relationship healthy or struggling with its fungal mycorrhizae and its roots? It's influenced by all these conditions and the insects that come and visit it. And the bear that rubs up against it. And along its way, its shape, its form is influenced by all of this and it reflects that. Its branch goes this way. 
a leaf goes that way, something breaks off in the wind. And all of this is part of its adaptation, its relationship, its ongoing communication with the surroundings. And as we think about this process unfolding as tree, we see how limited our word tree is. It's like a static picture of a dynamic, changing process. When does it become tree? When it's just acorns? But the tree's inside there, the information. When its branches break off, is it still tree? It's actually an unfolding treeing happening. Treeing in relationship to watering and breathing and sunning. Aliveness happening in intimate relationship with everything around it. part of the whole. And this is an apt description, not as quite as obvious to us, of us. We're not dissimilar from the tree. That we're embedded in a whole. Impersonal in many ways, just like how the rain falls on the tree is not personal to the tree. And yet, we are of a belonging, just as the tree is. And as we can understand this relational nature of ourselves and everything around us, the deeper we step into that and understand it, the more potential we have for healing the illusion of separation and the wound of isolation. To understand that we're part of this beautiful, wild, challenging unfolding that is happening all around us. And we too are in it. When we did the elements meditation today, that was one of the ways the Buddha invited us to understand that we're in this flow with everything. Would you feel that in certain places in that meditation? Perhaps you could feel it more in earth or in water or in breath. The way that there's that we're just in this process with everything else. There's other ways, too, that as we, if in a more conceptual way, we can start to touch into this interconnection. Sometimes the conceptual can help us understand, and then as we circle back around, the conceptual drops down and we understand, oh, I really am part of this. So we might understand 
our biological history, that we're part of the unfolding evolution of the planet, that we are the result of millennia. We're related to the fish, and we carry the ocean in our blood. The salt of the ocean is still in us from when we were creatures that were of the ocean. We, it's not hard to look at other animals and see you know, how our ears and their ears and our eyes, you look in the eyes of a dog and you see it looking back at you. And this evolution, our biological evolution has gone through myriad extinctions and re-arisings. And here we are, related to all those animals coming to this point. And in that, from there's the biological, and then we can look back also and see all the causes and conditions that are playing out in our history, the cultural or ancestral history where our people lived, the things that happened to them, where they moved or were moved. What our ancestors did and how they responded and who they met and what weather they were in, what climate they, how they thrived or were troubled. And all of these factors spread out over many, many years and many conditions, and they're all coming forward. And there's us that arrive, but we don't arrive of our own volition. We arrive as a result of all these different conditions. This is a poem from Fred Lamott called My Ancestry DNA Results Came In. My ancestry DNA results came in. Just as I suspected, my great-great-grandfather was a monarch butterfly. Much of who I am is still wriggling under a stone. I am part larva, part hummingbird, too. There is dinosaur tar in my bone marrow, my golden hair spraying out of a meadow in Palestine. Genghis Khan is my fourth cousin, but I didn't get his dimples. My loins are loaded with banyan seeds from Sri Lanka, but I descended from Ravana, not wrong. My uncle is a mastodon. There are traces of white people in my saliva, 3.7 billion years ago, I swirled in golden dust, dreaming of a planet overgrown with lingams and yonis. More recently, say 60,000 BC, I walked on hairy paws across a land bridge joining Sweden to Botswana. I am the bastard of the sun and the moon. I can no longer hide my heritage of raindrops and cougar scat. 
I am made of your grandmother's tears. You conquered rival tribesmen of your own color, chained them together, marched them naked to the coast, and sold them to colonials from Savannah. I was that brother you sold. I was the slave trader. I was the chain. Admit it, you have wings fast and golden, like mine, like mine. You have sweat, black and salty, like mine, like mine. You have secrets silently singing in your blood, like mine, like mine. Don't pretend that earth is not one family. Don't pretend we never hung from the same branch. Don't pretend we don't ripen on each other's breath. Don't pretend we didn't come here to forgive. In that poem, he not only speaks to all the way this understanding of how deeply interconnected with we are, but I'll come back around to the responsibility that is inherent in that. There's an impersonal personal aspect to it. So much has happened long before we arrived, and yet we are here now. So there's the arrival of you. Your genetic combination comes together. Your constitution, your aptitudes, what has been easy for you, what is hard. You didn't get to choose any of it unless you had a different way in than I did. You didn't get to choose how tall you are, whether you're considered pretty or good-looking, what gender you were assigned at birth. You didn't get to choose what your aptitudes are, what your struggles, that the way our brains are so different, our physical bodies are so different. None of us got to choose any of that. It's all the result of all these myriad conditions I was describing before. All these infinite things coming together. All these threads coming together into that moment when you arrive. And then you arrive and the influences don't stop. It's almost like they just began because now you arrived in a certain spot and there's all these familial conditions, all the people around you, your your caregivers, whoever they may have been, and the cult, the intimate culture that you came into. Who said what to you? How did they hold you? What did they feed you? Everything, all these influences. And larger than that, we born into this whole culture. All of us born, you know, over a certain span of time. And now we live in a culture that has intersected right here in this building at this time. 
but all the influences of that. What is it like to be here in this place at this time in the world? Global conditions being what they are. And can you feel as I describe all these things that we have this idea that there's me and I define me. I've created me. This is my story and I decide what I do. But when we start looking more carefully, we realize that we are the point of intersection of these infinite conditions. And all of those conditions coming from all directions. And we're just a little bit like a piece of dust blowing around in the wind, impacted by all of that influence, the result of, created by. All the environmental conditions. Did you grow up in a desert or in the forest, in a city or on a farm? How have recent events affected you? The smoke, the fires, floods? Or maybe they affected you long before recently. And then there's even just like what you ate for lunch. You didn't even have a choice on that. It was good, though. But you didn't have, and then how does that influence you? How did today's weather affect you? We played with that a little bit this morning. Noticing, and you have been all week, noticing how different things, a tree, a sound, the sunshine, the warmth, the cold, an animal, an insect, that all of these things are touching this incredible, permeable, porous system that you have a name for. But it's all constantly weaving together. Sometimes we can get the illusion that there's a solid self here that ends at the skin. But really, as I've said to some of you, the skin is this incredibly sensitive connector to everything around us. And our ears are connect, are connect us, our eyes connect us, so that we are ever more porous. The more we open up, the softer we are. The more we drop our guard, But even if we don't drop our guard, we're still completely porous. We just don't recognize it and rejoice in it. Instead, we have a stiff idea that everything that's happening in this location is somehow my success or my failure. Can you feel how it's so much bigger than that? The thought that you have, that thought cycle that you were having perhaps going in your circle today, going around and around in your head, you didn't make that up. You didn't create that. It's the combination of 
all sorts of conditions coming together in this location. What is it like to take that in? Can you, like, a little confusing? Like, well then, is it not my fault? Do I have no agency? Did all this just happen to me? It's not quite like that. But to start to feel that little shakiness around it is to understand on another level this permeability that is the truth of of who we are in this world. And as we see that, why is this important? It goes back to what I said at the beginning. We can heal this belief this belief of separation. We can heal the, the isolation and come into contact with the world, realizing that we are a participant with the tree and the squirrel and the sky and the breath. And to realize that we are a participant is to rejoice in the celebration of aliveness to belong completely, to be embedded in this world. When we understand how much we are connected to everything, we can no longer tell the story that we are alone. We can still be lonely. That happens. But we are not alone. So much of our suffering comes from the pushing away of this, the resistance, the denial, the trying to hold the world at a, away. It's too much. I don't want to be affected. I need to be me and be separate. And you feel it's an illusion, and it causes us a lot of suffering. So the question becomes much more, How do we participate? How do we acknowledge this and participate in it? And this understanding that can grow in us does not diminish in any way the uniqueness of each one of us. When you think about all those different conditions I named and all... How could you be anything other than unique, right? It's all that's only going to happen in one particular way, ever. You will never be repeated. This moment will never be repeated. The way a cloud moved through the sky today, the way a certain bird called and you heard it, will never be repeated today. So this interconnected web does not diminish the preciousness and beauty of each individual arising. But it ties it in to everything. Martha Graham, and for those who don't know, she was uh, one of the um, real for sort of 
designers, creators of modern dance as we know it now. She says, there is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all of time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium, and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is, nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly, and to keep the channel open. We're, we're moving into this very interesting place that, of not one, not two. We're not one, like separate. Oh, well, let me say, I'm sorry, not one as in all the same, but not two as in completely separate. So there's this dynamic dance of the uniqueness and the complete interconnection. One way it's been expressed that I like is that everything is contingent on everything else. Infinite contingency. So then we get to start to feel like, okay, if everything's infinitely contingent, how could something be good? or bad. You could say what is skillful, or what serves, or what adds wholesome, what adds love and beauty to the whole. And that's always an interesting investigation. When I take in as much as I can, when I have as broad a view, what's skillful here? Here on retreat, we've been encouraging you. What's skillful here is to take in as much truth in the moment, to take in beauty if that's what's here, struggle if that's what's here, cold, hot, tree, treeing, to be more realistic, treeing, skying and the changing dynamic of it all. We get so confused with this, with this idea of being separate. And this is one of the beauties of practicing in nature, is that it's so much clearer when we sit outside and we're in this permeable relationship, it's so much easier to see that. We lose the conviction of that things being a separate thing, as I described with the tree at the beginning. We can see that things are in flow and flux and affecting each other. And the tendency to try to reify, to hold things static, to resist impermanence. Sometimes we think like if we could just hold our breath and make everything stay exactly the way it is. 
You probably haven't tried that today outside. You know, it's so obvious. It's all moving and changing. Another way of saying that um, Elizabeth Namgel, I'm missing, Mattis Namgel, um, uses, she says, everything leans. Everything leans on everything else. And so outside we see how everything's leaning on everything else, touching it. And we can stay alive and fluid in that dynamic relationship. And that what's happening can't possibly be captured by a single label or a single word or a concept. Did you sometimes feel in these last couple of days how you're just in this, like there's so much happening. Like sometimes, I've heard you know I've heard some of you say like practicing outside. It just almost feels overwhelming. It feels distracting. It feels something because there's just so much going on at times. Everything in this dynamic relationship. Another thing that happens when we practice outside that you've probably noticed is that holding on to our conviction that we know how things should be, or that if we don't know, we should know how things should be. I love it when somebody says, well, I have control issues. Ever met anybody who didn't have control issues? We all want to control things. And we think in a misunderstanding is that somehow things would be more under control if we did it right. If you made the right moves, your life would be under control. Whatever that means to you. You wouldn't be so reactive. Things wouldn't happen that you didn't want to happen. If they did happen, you'd be in perfect equanimity with them at all times. But when we're outside, we see that it's much more complex than that. The tree doesn't get to control the wind that broke its branch. The bird doesn't get to control the nest that got knocked out. The sunrise does its own beautiful thing. And the mist, we don't control. Nobody does. And when we understand that it's all in this dynamic flow and that we're not controlling it, we start to understand we can't fix it because it's all spread out. There's so many conditions coming together. We can't Fix, just like we can't fix. Who do you most want to fix? Your partner, your friend, your parent, your kid. We think we can fix them, but we're just one influence in this whole vast interconnected web. There's no single point of origin for anything. 
I love Carl Sagan's phrase because he says, if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you have to invent the universe. (laughs) So if you want a different partner, start back there somewhere. If you want to change and somehow be this other imaginary person that you think you should be, You'll have to start maybe back at the black hole. I don't know. Maybe before then. I'm not sure. This is what's arrived from all these different conditions. Can you rejoice this? This particular precious never to arise again expression of the world that's right here. We also, as we practice in this dynamic flux, we can see the futility of hanging on to the pleasant, hanging on to the sensual desire, just the thing staying, the warmth staying exactly at the right condition. When we're inside, we sometimes can have that illusion, like, I know I can find the right level at the thermostat. But unless you live in a house alone, you know that doesn't work. But outside, there's no thermostat. And so we, we learn to have more capacity, to have more possibility. And in that, did you notice that when you can't control it, how much appreciation of the sun there is when it comes? Or if it's warm when you move into the shade or when a breeze comes. When we let go of the illusion of control, we start to understand that we are the receivers of incredible generosity and abundance. Every breath we breathe is a gift of myriad beings. Every sip of water, the result of winds and clouds and streams. Every bite we eat, there's so much abundance coming towards us. There's an author of... um, who spent time with the indigenous Mayan people, Martin Practel, and he talks about their understanding that we are all in absolutely complete and utter debt to the world, to the natural world. That it is a debt that is so profound that we can never repay it. And so the question comes, what do you do? How do you respond with gratitude? How do you try to even meet that infinite debt of all that's been offered to you? In that tradition, the answer is beauty. That the way to respond is to make things beautiful. 
to dress in beautiful fabrics, to take to make beautiful pottery, to take care and precision with what you do and how you grow them. That to take the gift and then respond with immense love for everything that you come in contact with. What a beautiful vision, isn't it? Understanding. It points towards the understanding of reciprocity. That we're in, not only are we in this interconnected world, but we're in a reciprocal relationship. And to participate in that is to have joy and delight. Anybody here have a garden or a yard they take care of? Then you know what it is to be in this reciprocal relationship with the earth and the water and the seed. You don't have a garden? Do you have a house plant? Do you have a pet? Do you have someone you caretake? All of these are reciprocal relationships in which we're caring for the world. And it doesn't take us long when we do that to realize that that in some ways is the most where we often feel most alive, most full, most ourselves, most complete. Because the more we do that, the more we feel our participation. And we see that all that's flowing in is also flowing back out. As we circle back around to this, seeing this ultimate distortion of the isolation, and breaking that down, letting go of this belief of me against the world, me subject of the world. We can't really even say who or what we are because we, just like the world, are constantly changing because we are the world. This is from Rosemary Watula Tromer, The Great Beyond. And once again, the invitation to see beyond the self, the way water knows itself not only as river and lake, but also as fern, as cloud, as cat. Forgive me for believing I end with this skin, these ideas, these imaginings. Sometimes I forget to choose vastness. Forget to know the self as cliff, as mataki, as crumb. How is it I so often miss the invitation? How is it I overlook that I am lemon, asteroid, wren? Not one, not two. And of course, this doesn't eliminate, just as it doesn't eliminate the uniqueness, it doesn't eliminate preference. 
or choice or seeing and understanding suffering and trying to move to care for the suffering in ourselves or others. This acknowledges the conditions coming together. It's not your fault. You're not to blame. But you are a participant. And what you do matters. When we see this, we feel, when we understand how connected we are, the responsibility. Because everything we do touches everything else. If we ended at our skin, what we did wouldn't really matter. But we don't. We impact everything. Even the most casual move changes things. Hmm, I've forgotten the name. The person who talked about the butterfly flapping its wings in Japan and it affecting something across the world. We're a lot of big butterflies. What we do matters. Nobody blames the tree for its shape, for how it responds, for what it does. And nobody blames you. You should not blame you. I'm not saying nobody blames you. Somebody probably does, but that's their problem. (laughs) You are not to be blamed for how you look, how you've arrived, the history you have, the conditions you carry, the trauma, the ancestors. And what you do with all of that? How do you now take the conditions as they've arrived at this moment and participate in them? When we go on retreat, we are participating. Sometimes we wonder, like, I'm off on this retreat and the world's falling apart and I'm sitting under a tree. But we are participating in the world. As your mind gets affected, as your heart opens, as you move through the world with a different sensibility, you carry everything here around with you forever. And the more we understand this, the more we have to offer to the world. This is from Einstein. One of my... In some of his other things I can't understand, I can understand this. A human being is part of the whole, called by us, universe. Limited in time and space. One experiences oneself, one's thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of our consciousness. This delusion is a prison, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons close to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from our prison by widening our circle of compassion 
to embrace all humanity and the whole of nature in its beauty. In our practice this week, we've been inviting intimacy, connection, the acknowledgement that the boundary is artificial and can dissolve. And in this, we're inviting our hearts to open care, love, reciprocity, and gratitude. We are all participants. And this is a cause for celebration, to dance with the dance of life, to know we belong, to know we're alive, to know we are unique and in it with everything, to join in, to fall in love. I'll end with this quote from Rabindranath Tagore. The same stream of life that runs through my veins night and day runs through the world and dances in rhythmic measures. It is the same life that shoots in joy through the dust of the earth in the numberless blades of grass and breaks into tumultuous waves of leaves and flowers. It is the same life that is rocked in the ocean, cradle of birth and of death, in ebb and in flow. I feel my limbs are made glorious by the touch of this world of life, and my pride is from the life throb of ages, dancing in my blood this moment. Let's let the words settle for a few moments. I feel my limbs are made glorious by the touch of this world of life. And my pride is from the life throb of ages, dancing in my blood this moment.
Thank you for your practice. Thank you for hearing the Dharma this evening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.